of friendship, you guys, is like out of diapers. No, me either. I'm so All right, baddies, I'm going to level with you for a sec. In this episode, we do talk about Harry Potter. I want to make it clear. Books and Baddies stands with the transgender community, and we do not support she who must be named or the harm she's committed against the transgender community and LGBTQ plus individuals, because fuck that. But we have made the decision to talk about Harry Potter in this episode because the characters and the stories resonated with us or shaped us both as readers and people. And we believe there are ways to still connect with those characters without directly financially supporting Rowling. However, we do recognize that talking about this series in a public setting, like a podcast, does benefit her, even if not directly. So to counteract that, we're donating to The Trevor Project. If you would like to support The Trevor Project, and we highly suggest you do, please visit them at trevorproject.org. And as always, let us know your thoughts, because we would love to hear them. We'd love to learn from you. Go ahead and just shoot us an email at booksandbaddiespod at gmail.com. Love you. Welcome, we're Books and Baddies, a reader's podcast for hotties who read hot books. From YA slow burns to all out monster fucking. Join us as we break down shame, embrace sexuality, chase romance butterflies, and find joy in literature that calls to us. If you were that kid reading in the back of the classroom, this podcast is for you. Okay, so baddies, what you're reading? Okay, so I'm Mary and I am trying to start Fourth Wing, but I keep forgetting that I like to read in my spare time. So I have not started it yet and I've had it for like four days and it's shameful. That's super relatable. And this is Addie and I am already doing a reread of Falling Dark by Scully Murphy. And yes, it's Germani fan fiction. They're in Italy. It's great. We all pretend to be shocked. I hope they do like a Lady in the Tramp noodle scene. Aww. <laughs> This is Lindsay. I'm reading The Galaxy and the Ground Within by Becky Chambers, which is the fourth book in her Wayfarer series. It's a really awesome, wholesome series, so you should check it out. And I'm Crossland. Is there anything left for the rest of us by Ollie Baxter? Ollie Baxter? Isn't that a <laughs> pop punk singer? Probably. <laughs> Hopefully that's the last you hear of Batty Daddy for a while. <laughs> Yeah, get out. This week, we're talking about literary friend groups. You know, those golden, silver, bronze, and otherwise invaluable and iconic groups of pals in books that pull you in and make you feel like you're an unofficial member of the coolest club ever. So typically, literary friend groups consist of three or more characters brought together by some sort of common goal, interest, or necessity. But, you know, a lit friend group has to be more than just three warm bodies on a page. So what do you think? What makes a good crew? Um, I'm going to answer from the lens of YA or young adult and juvenile surprise, which I know, right? (laughs) I think chaos makes a good crew. Mm. So this looks like getting into trouble together, trouble, always finding them or just like terrible choice making as a unit. So, of course, the first literary friend group that you immediately think of, I'm guessing, is from this really niche series called Harry Potter. Must be too indie for me. Haven't heard of it. You know, the golden trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. No, it's Hermione, Draco, and Theo. Uh, It's a no from me, dog. Another literary friend group that comes to mind in a recent reread is the posse from The Gallagher Girls, written by Allie Carter. 
possible relation to Agent Peggy Carter from Captain America remains to be seen. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> These spy school attending teens, Cammie, Macy, Bex, and Liz, get into loads of shenanigans together, and I absolutely just love reading it. Ooh, sounds familiar. <laughs> right? Like, uh, that's us too. We have chaos. Another necessary element in literary friend groups is, like, conflict light or diet conflict. So, like, one of the characters has to be a little emo and assume the worst Ooh. on most occasions. Like, hashtag sad boy. Finally, in young adult, a single adult they collectively turn to for parenting. Group mom! Like uh, like one of those room moms in elementary school, yeah? Fuck yeah, exactly. So like an example of this is the Clue Crew and Nancy Drew by the infamous Carolyn Keene. They all turn to Hannah the housekeeper. They talk poor Hannah's ear off. Like, leave her alone. She just wants to bake her cookies and her famous lemon bars. Okay, but I also want to sit around and bake cookies. Pick me. <laughs> Choose <Relatable>. me. <laughs> Love me. <laughs> I feel like Harry, Hermione, and Ron were the blueprint for literary friend groups. In the famous words of Professor McGonagall, why is it always you three? Our favorite <laughs> literary friend groups are always in trouble together. They're trying to fix the problems that aren't theirs. They're always trying to meddle. And for me, I think I always loved reading them when they're getting into trouble, especially when they're investigating that weird noise they heard in the hallway or there's a light under that one door. And it's not even their problem to deal with, but... We're just always understanding what the true meaning of friendship is. Oh, fucking cute. Yeah, that is so cute. That's so wholesome. For me, some of the important aspects of literary friend groups are things like found family, which I think we're going to touch on later. There has to be some good banter. It has to be quick, has to be cute. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with a little love in the background, a little, little loving teasing, you know, it, it <laughs> really makes the friend group. And there have to be like some sort of disparate interests, but that lead to a common goal. But I do think sometimes that that can lead into sort of tropey friendships, which I think we're also going to touch on later. And, and tropes can really annoy me unless it's like a short, quick romance read that I'm just reading to have a fun time. Um, but not so much at all if it's a series. If it, if it goes on for more than one book and we're leaning heavily into tropes, I get super disinterested. Also, just thought of like well-flushed out platonic friendships are super rare and absolutely just chef's kiss 10 out of 10 give me all the platonic love absolutely like oh god that makes me crazy so like compulsory heteronormativity in ya books is especially so common i also especially go like feral over non-romantic brother sister style friendships mm -hmm. so like obviously harry and hermione from harry potter come to mind but also like mm -hmm. cassian and Feyre in a court of thorns mm -hmm. and roses by this niche author sarah de mass <laughs> so they all support each other and they and they rag on each other and they have each other's backs and i have yet to see anyone ship cassian and Feyre, and i'm i'm very grateful for that because that would make me hurl yeah yeah have you heard 100%. of ao3 Oh, no. <laughs> Out fan fiction. Oh, no, 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 no. Cursed place. No, but seriously, like, <laughs> we need to just, like, stop shipping people, especially heteronormative people, because you don't see this as much in, in queer friendships in, in books that, that center some queer characters. Like, I think about One Last Stop by Casey McQuinson. There's all these, these queer characters running around, and they're all just good buddies, and nobody's being like, oh, is there sexual tension there? Like, no, because they're people with friends. And it, it kind of grinds my gears a little bit. Oh, yeah. Makes me a little angsty when, mm -hmm. when people just ship everybody just because they're a man and a woman who are friends, right? Or even in a in a homosexual or, or in a queer way. Like, like, don't ship Frodo and Sam. Let them be friends. Support non-toxic male mm. friendships. Kiss the homies on the forehead and move on. It's okay, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Like some awesome other platonic friendships that I love are like, all the friends in The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, who all live together. They're super cute. Or yeah. Outlander. There's Claire and Murtaugh by Diana Galbadon. I love their friendship. It's really cute. Very brother-sistery. Or like someone else has already said, the inner circle in Akatar. That group like gave me the biggest friendship hangover ever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
when you've when you've read books that have mm-hmm. these these solid buddies, these solid friendships across gender lines, across interests, it's just so obvious when that group doesn't exist in other books, right? Like it's just this such a gaping hole in other books that you read sometimes. And I think that the lone wolf thing can work every so often in certain contexts, or if that's really the mood that you're going for. But my favorite reads and the ones that I keep back to time and time again, always have a really solid crew. Yeah, me too. When I'm reading a book with the one lone wolf main character, it can fall flat. And I really rely, just like Lindsay was saying, like on the friendly banter between the pals. I love the witty humor, the inside jokes, the sense of community. And if I'm being honest, talk shit for a sec. When I read The Selection by Kiera Cass, America had some major like hashtag not like other girls lone wolf energy. I'm just going to go twirl my hair in the corner. I'm not like other girls. No, literally. Well, and like people can say minus her mediocre friendship with Marley. I don't know if I agree with that. Like you only get the friendly banter and sense of warmth towards the complete end of the series in like one scene where the, all the girls in the competition are cuddling on the couch. And America said it was like having a bunch of sisters. It was one moment out, outside of a whole series that had such a great opportunity to bring a bunch of young women together and to have that. And you couldn't tell that it was missing. I think it was a completely missed opportunity by the author. No, I totally hear you on that because I think it really gives me a lot to think about with Zodiac Academy by Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valentini. So it's a group of friends who are, or a group of people who all end up going to this magical school. They all have all of their, you know, magical powers and they all have their specialties and they go through a lot of trauma. The first book is a bully romance and There's a lot of kind of end of the world scenarios and violent situations where people are threatened. And I feel like book talk and TikTok in general and kind of a lot of bookstagram even believe that this is a huge friend group. And I really disagree. Like there's forced belonging. There's threats to personal safety. There's so much more. And every once in a while, they have a little cute moment of, oh, my gosh, we're all friends and everything is going great. But I feel like it almost gives more sibling energy than anything because they're not afraid to say like that really pissed me off and please don't do it again i I mean i love sibling energy like i need it in books that sense of familiarity it's like exactly what gave me the same hangover as Lindsay from a court of thorns and roses with the inner circle friend group and i feel like as a middle child i kind of understand that too because i felt like i always knew the sibling energy in my house like i always had one or both brothers around kind of giving me the shit and kind of giving me that like giving me the shits look in the corner when they knew that i was listening to the backstreet boys on repeat they were like oh she's doing it again but i feel like there's always also a character and maybe this is why i resonated with them who wishes that they had the sibling energy like you know that there's feelings deep in there or like you know that there's maybe more and i feel like i always kind of go back to ron and hermione which i could go on a tangent 50 or 60 days about them But I think we need to talk about the archetypes of our characters within our favorite crews, because I feel like that sometimes is overdone, but also sometimes we all love it. So, baddies, I'm asking you, who do you love? What's overdone? And what do you guys dislike? I have a lot of feelings about this. Ooh, I'm ready. Same. The intellectual smarty pants is usually my favorite character. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Liz from the Gallagher Girl series by Ali Cutter. Can you tell that I just reread it? Um, She is absolutely the girl in the chair getting shit done. They would be all dead on the side of the road in book number one if it weren't for that five foot two little badass. Addie, in my brain, you are a five foot two little badass. (laughs) Okay, contrary to everybody's belief, I'm not five two. (laughs) Yeah, she's five two and a half. 
Okay, say it again, <laughs> and you'll be the dead one on the side of the road because Luke and I are going to oh. have a plan of attack. Oh, oh my God. All right. Throwing okay, bows. Anyway, I do... <laughs> literally... I do think our intellectual babes keep the plot moving forward in a way that I can actually tolerate because the author isn't relying on the main character to ask those super key questions or to have clues like fall into their lap. But like with Jennifer Armantrout's from Blood and Ash, Poppy's always like, um, can I ask a question? And it's like, oh my fucking God, can we think of a different way to keep this going? (laughs) She'd be so annoying in real life. (laughs) Yeah, can I ask a question? Which to be fair, I think I say that like 10 times a day. But I am not trying to move, keep a plot moving forward. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> in Scarlet St. Clair's A Queen of Myth and Monsters, when the book just like fell into Isolda's damn lap. Like, are you kidding me? Really? Like, at least in the Gallagher Girls series, they had to dig through the trash to find clues and info on the love interest, Josh. Look, I've never oh. dug through my ex's trash. My ex is just trash. But yeah, 100%. The intellectual character girlies totally keep the plot moving with that convenient, you know, hey, I just read about the next place we need to go thing. I found this book in the library and it's naming all the people we need to talk to, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they're always underappreciated by the other characters. And as someone who really identifies Mm -hmm. with that character from time to time, we need justice for the Smarties. Justice for the Smarties. Justice for Uh, the Smarties. uh, uh. (laughs) Okay, but I feel like there also is always that intellectual character kind of behind the computer they're helping the plot. They're asking the questions. They're saying, like, well, how do you guys know where the missing vault is? Or, like, does anybody know the villain's real name? Because it's helping the reader connect the dots. And I feel like yeah. that also is something that anybody can really identify with. Like, I know I identify with it because I'm like, sometimes I'm just trying to help two of my friends kind of realize that we're talking about the same thing, but I'm not really doing it in the right way. So I feel like they're always passing that. <laughs> main that info onto their main characters and the other bestie just like trying to kind of be you know like the binder they're like the yeast and the bread they're like oh i'm making everything great <laughs> sounds like the baddies are in favor of smarty sidekick as a as a plot device and as a literary mm-hmm. trope so pour one out for the smarty sidekicks <laughs> i usually dislike the bestie who feels constantly sidelined or overlooked by the main character Mm. so they typically come off as like mega whiny to me little bitch looking at you gail so the hero's successes or their attention feels like a slight to the best friend and they also they always kind of put their self-worth against the main characters so it's just it's not for me totally you know who i'm immediately thinking about right now who me jessica from twilight yes that bella's first and worst friend first and worst (laughs) this bitch is always in the shadows and every single time she comes up i just want to rip the page out of the book she sucks just like doesn't even need to be in the shadows like she actually does she plays volleyball right like she does some cool shit yeah she just because she's not bella she thinks that she's whatever fuck her because she's not like other girls fuck her and Mm -hmm. you know when bella first sees edward jessica's like oh he doesn't date apparently None of the girls are good-looking enough for him, a.k.a. dropping that little self-doubt, self-deprecation. Oh, I'm I'm not like other girls. I'm not pretty enough. Boo. Boo. Just be yourself. Also, <laughs> insert Lindsay boo, boo. sound. Boo. <laughs> because Kelsey and Tiff aren't here to talk about Twilight, I will do my best Twilight deep dive. Someone's got to do it. Because Jessica randomly reconnects with Bella in Breaking Dawn after three books of her just being a literal cunt. Capital C-U-N-T. And it's only because they're graduating and she wants an invite to her grad party. Fair enough. <laughs> God, I wish... I wish Alice would have thrown me a grad party. My 
My grad party consisted of my two uncles and a blurry slideshow. Post a slideshow. About them or about you? <laughs> it's a good Post question. a slideshow. <laughs> now I'm really craving pulled pork. Why did every single <laughs> high school grad party have like a giant vat of soggy pulled pork or like a half-eaten Chipotle bar? I think that was really big <laughs> when, I was on, when I was on the grad party circuit. <laughs> Chipotle bar. <laughs> I feel like that's not even a mystery that Nancy Drew could solve. <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling Nancy is cool letting that case go cold. <laughs> Ooh. That's so real, though. The slighted BFF friend or, like, the third person in a love triangle is always a little frustrating. I think it can be done well, and I think it can be endearing, but it's really frustrating when it plays into those sort of friend zone tropes, right? Or, like, the trope mm. that you have to choose a romantic partner over your friends. You can't have both. Because if that person actually right. loved the protagonist, was actually a good friend who wanted the best for them... They'd want what's best for that person. They'd want that person to be happy. They would want that person to be thriving. They'd want that person, you know, to be unbothered and moisturized. Flirty, 30, and thriving. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And don't forget moisturized. That's the most important part. Mostly most learn. important. I just want all my friends to be moisturized. <laughs> we are not sponsored by Aquaphor, but I'm telling you, yeah. Aquaphor really makes a difference. I whisper Aquaphor in the microphone while they sponsor us. Uh, all kidding aside, though. I do love and have a huge space in my heart for a moody sort of your character, which I think can be different and hopefully is different, though it can be a Venn diagram from the slighted BFF friend. I just get frustrated when the author leaves this, the mm. moody your character at only this is the moody bitch or this is the your bitch, right? One of the examples of mm. someone who didn't do that is in the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Boss. I absolutely love Manon, who starts off kind yeah. of as that, that moody, edgy, edgy mm-hmm. girl, but you really see a lot of character growth with her. Or Nesta, same yeah. thing. You see a lot of character growth with her yeah, as well throughout the Court of Thrones and Roses series, also by Sarah J. Moss. But I, I do have some reservations, maybe save for a different episode about about some of the character growth, because uh, I don't think that moody is necessarily bad. And I think SJM does, but that's a, that's a different that's a different conversation. But it's it's annoying also on the on the flip side of things to just have sort of edgy for edgy's sake. I'm a supportive besties only cyber reader. Like Pauline in the Remnant Chronicles by Mary Pearson. Pauline is a fucking queen and she helps bust Leah out of the castle and into their cute cottage court life by the sea. And I am once again asking, read the fucking series before you read Dance of Thieves. Do you hear me? I didn't. I feel like I need my mom to come pick me up. Because all you do is talk about this and I'm getting a little scared. But I promise I will. I will go read it. I will go get it on my Kindle right now. There's nothing like forcing your friends to read your favorite book series, especially when they feel like family so you can really bully them. Except we're not actually related. You know, speaking of being related to people, (laughs) I feel like this is the perfect place for us to talk a little bit about something really similar to literary friends, which is found family. Again, kind of a Venn diagram. So do you feel like there is a difference between a crew or a found family? I would say the crew can evolve into a found family. So like part of the hero's journey is finding a sense of belonging and identity. And their crew is instrumental to that, like in The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. I'm sorry. I've never heard of that one. Oh, my God. Shut up. (laughs) So Peta starts out (laughs) as an ally, becomes forced friend, eventual love interest, and then like literal family. Like how touching. And on the other hand, with... Uh, with Sarah J. Mass in in A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yep, still haven't heard of that one either. <laughs> so like the Bat Boys and Wine Wenches, which is my new name for Feyre, Moore and Amran, become found family almost first. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
they become found family almost first. So it's like the opposite. So like they give each other solace and refuge. They help each other heal after some of like the lowest points of their lives without hardly knowing each other. So like the Bat Boys really rally around Azrael as kids when he's like orphaned and neglected. And more becomes Feyre's literal hero from the Spring Court and her confidant without hardly knowing her. So they save each other first and then they get to know each other. So they know the power of safety and a good home and offer it to those in need. And then like the intimacy and sibling energy seems to come later. So it's like found family into crew. You know, I think that's just called trauma bonding. <laughs> Ooh, that is a good point. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I think a lot of our favorite found family lit friends came to be because of trauma bonding, though. You know, because I, I, just, I think it's so pervasive in, in so many of our favorite series. Speaking of, of the Bat Boys, you know, they all became buddies because they like lived in a pit in the Illyrian camps or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and like they have this like imagery of is it as or like one of them sitting in this little dark cell, like a little baby being so sad and, yeah. and beat up and shit. And they're like training montage, training montage. And now we're best friends. <laughs> and so that's great. <laughs> training montage, My training heart. montage. Cha cha cha. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yes. Like they they had that that time and all those years in in the pit for lack of a better word to to grow together on the other hand elaine and nesta were not given the luxury of that time they were lumped into the inner circle because of Feyre, as well as their experiences with the cauldron it's like a forced proximity trope but make it platonic found family into it honestly what i want to know is in what world is the inner circle platonic that's a good because i feel like in my opinion <laughs> i have thoughts but also all i can picture now is sweet baby asriel sitting in the dark screaming addy addy come fix me please come fix me Aww. come save me i can fix him you know me i can fix him and if it's hurt i'm there to comfort but i feel like Aww. found family is the result of a group of people who support each other through emotional and physical harm. I feel like they're supporting each other through relationships and trials, whether it's good or bad, or whether it's the highs and the lows, the uphill and the roller coaster or the downhill. Because I feel like in a lot of books, we find that the way that they are pushed together is through these new circumstances and through this healing versus I feel like generally literary friend groups are established from the start we understand which character is which part of the group and we understand what each person's role is yeah i never thought of it like that before actually that's a good point i feel like generally i find that when i'm starting a new book or a new series and i can identify right away who is the intellectual behind the computer who is kind of the sidekick i think gallagher girls is a really great example of this i tell you i'd love you but then i'd have to kill you by ali carter immediately you know who is the core yeah. friend group who is the like, you know who is the one behind the scenes who isn't the most physically great me usually and who is the person who kind of is the bad the muscle who, yeah, yeah who's the <laughs> muscle and then you also kind of have the main character who's telling you all the details versus I feel like like again I think we kind of keep going back to it is Akatar and A Court of Thrones and Roses you're slowly developing the found family because they're finding it as they go through things or as yeah, they become part of the plot as things happen as they kind of go through trials and tribulations they're becoming a group of people that really care about each other and want to keep each other in their found family so to speak yeah that's true this makes me think of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle zevin zevin not sure how to pronounce their last name but great book it's one of the books where the found family between two of the main characters sam and sadie 
really doesn't have those tropes. Sam and Sadie both sort of have a lot of skills. They both end up being incredibly successful. They both meet as children in the pediatric hospital. So they, they have a little bit of trauma bonding. But the, their friendship is so unique. And this found family that they have with one another is, is so interesting to me because they balance one another while also being incredibly similar. And, and the ways in which they're similar almost contribute not to their downfall, but to some of the struggles that they have. And I find that to be a really beautiful expression of found family that you don't get in a lot of other books that lean more into those tropes. I don't know. It's a bit of a weird dynamic, but I really do. I really do think that those two are, are found family. That book destroyed me. Just going to say it on the record. That book broke me. And I feel like that found it. family, it just like kind of, I don't know. It just is different. It's different in a good way. It hits different. I remember my first found family. We've all read a lot of literary friend groups back back in back in the old days. It's time for <laughs> Batty Blast from the Bitchin' Past. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Batty, it's the timer sticking. We have 90 seconds, and I literally am going to time us. To unload our favorite friend groups or friendship fails from the juvenile fiction we devoured. Lindsay, on your mark, set, get set, go. All right, I'm going to talk really Ding. fast because I have a lot to say here. I really love the Baudelaire children and their friendship with the Quagmire triplets. So Baudelaire children from series of unfortunate events. You got Violet, you got Klaus, you got Sonny, who find themselves orphaned at the, mer- at the mercy rather of their distant relative Count Olaf. They go through a bunch of shit. They meet the Quagmire triplets, Isadora, Duncan, Quidley, who've also experienced a bunch of tragedy, a bunch of loss. They trauma bond. These siblings come together. They share not only their grief and their loss, but this like beautiful joy of friendship and camaraderie. And they form this united front and they support and care for each other like family. They are friends to this super dark time. They teach one another some cool lessons. The Baudelaire's are like super courageous. They inspire the Quagmires to be bolder and stand up for what's right. And in return, the Quagmires show the Baudelaire's the importance of things like emotional vulnerability and the strength of sharing burdens and the strength of uh, trusting your friends and opening up. And they just show that genuine friendships can emerge in the darkest of circumstances. And together, those friends navigate some of the most challenging trials in a series of unfortunate events. <sighs> I need Hot. a deep breath Addy, after go. that one. That was amazing. I need like the flight of the bumpy. Okay, but seriously, I just faster, reread faster, the entire Galaga Girls series by Ellie Carter. This is as fast as I can talk. And it was so refreshing to read about a group of young women who are empowered to be themselves and show the world their knowledge. Like, it was so damn refreshing for people to be like, yes, I know the answer to this and I know exactly what I'm going to say. And I feel like as a middle child, two brothers, I remember reading these growing up and feeling super empowered to be a, a really close spy girl, but also play with the boys while wearing a skirt, but also have a group of friends that had my back and just overall a group of people that wanted to support me and who I was. Mary, go. Thank you. I feel like we could not talk about the bitch and past without talking about American girls. American girls have the best ultimate side hoes. They're best friends. From what I recall, there is limited friend groups. However, there are dynamic duos, which we are only going to reference in this moment. We got Samantha and Nellie, fucking Felicity and Jiggy Nye. JK, Felicity and the British baby Elizabeth Cole. Kit and Ruthie. <laughs> These gals are here for each other. <laughs> thick and thin. Dysentery. Feathering and tarring. Colonialism. The greatest depression there ever was. Dysentery. They were so great to grow up with, and I love them dearly, and I'm a horse girl who forever who favored Felicity. Felicity forever in Kirsten. But we need an American Girl Law book episode 100%. Absolutely, we do. I think we do, too, because we need to talk about Molly because the amount of times this girl somehow picks up some secret plane or dreams or way to embrace her her inner Leo, but she's not even a Leo, and something that actually isn't going to happen, but she's going to build a doghouse in the backyard to host a bunch of golden retrievers from the neighborhood. That's something I did, sorry. It just resonated with me as a kid. Like, but I also just loved her braids and glasses because that's how I learned how to braid. You okay, baddies do not follow directions. That was twice as long, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs>
We can always long day. I also can't talk that fast. I burned my tongue today. Oh, you burn your tongue? That's so yeah. bad. I'm so Will sorry. Because I make it feel better. <laughs> I'm sure that will be really fun audio for our listeners. <laughs> That's ASMR. <laughs> Mary's mouth sounds. As much as I love some of these these juvenile books, some of the adult friendships deserve love too, right? Think about how many adults have like, like real life adults, right? Have one or two friends or not even that. And it's kind of sad because it's, it's hard to make friends as an adult. And that's, you know, something I've struggled with. I'm sure that's something lots of us have struggled with as an adult. But friendships aren't just for kids, right? You know, why are so many adult yeah. books about like loners and being sad and depression, which is all really valid shit and shit that all of us have struggled with in some way or another. But there can be some really fun, fun adult moments and some really beautiful, beautiful friendships in, in adult literature. Some adult friend groups that I personally love are, for example, the friends in City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert, the friends in, like I said previously, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, some of the friendships in the Red Rising series by Pierce Brown. You really get to see them evolve from when they're teenagers all the way through parents who have kids and are doing crazy shit. Even the friends of the girls in Ice Planet Barbarians, which is like totally a trauma bomb, Hell but yeah. it actually ends up being like weirdly wholesome in the end, if not a little bit surface level. Obviously the order in Harry Potter, all the adults that the golden trio ends up turning to. And then one of my favorites is the friendships and the crews in the book Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers, which is this like awesome, wholesome story of really diverse adult friendships that I recommend everybody read because it's just a big hug and it'll make you want to go to the playground as an adult and walk up to somebody and say, hey, will you be my friend? Cute. I'm immediately adding that to my Goodreads to be read list. Hell yeah. Yay. But honestly, I do. I agree. Like, Adult friendships are so much different than young adult, in my opinion, because I feel like adult friendships are a lot of times they're built through that trauma and healing and life situations where you turn to someone and you say, I really need a friend right now. And they're there and they can help you handle it, whether it's, you know, crawling down into the hole with you, which I thought is a really great analogy I heard recently, or they're casting the fishing line and helping pull you back out of that hole. So I feel like just overall, like adult friendships, I feel like are the kind of people that you always want to keep around and you're able to have those discussions or like you're able to have, you know, like in the order even, they might have different opinions. They might all have thoughts about what Snape is doing or what, you know, if he's actually truly playing for both sides. And it's super important to me that honestly, you're able to see those in books in both like YA and adult like literature. But at the same time, I feel like, and I'll just rant about it because I just can't stop thinking about how when you're reading a young adult book or you're reading something that you're set up in when you're younger and almost immediately it's established from the start who is a group of friends. And it's really interesting to me how many books are like that. Like I think Babysitter's Club is a really great example. I think Gallagher Girls, which we've heard several times. You know, Harry Potter, you get to see it from the start. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, you almost immediately kind of know who is who, and you immediately have that feeling of trust with them. Gosh, I wish that we could do... Oh, wait, we can. We have a podcast. Let's talk about, at some point, baddies, Happy Places friend group. Like, make it a whole episode. (laughs) By Emily. Because at this point, I feel like everyone and their mothers read it. And we're making lobster rolls. Hell yeah, we are. We're going to all wear like blue and white stripes and eat lobster rolls. All yeah, the day. Um, we're going to be so East Coast. Kind of to piggyback off of Addie, I always kind of wondered when I finished reading like a YA series, like will these friendships last the test of time, right? Like it's something that they've established when they were young, they're kids, they're all kind of immature, they're all butt faces, they're not really going through all of life's big trials, um, going through that growth. And sometimes it's it's a little bit different when you're reading an adult friendship book series because 
they are going through those big life changes together. And it's especially now as an adult reading them, it seems like something that resonates with me more um, because they mm-hmm. have that growth and they have that accountability versus like a YA friend series uh, pickup versus like a YA friend group where they're all kind of immature butt faces sometimes. Yeah, talking about all these friendships makes me grateful for all your baddies. Oh, don't make me cry. Mm-hmm. Love you forever. Can you cross oh. Maybe. <laughs> all right, well, you've heard enough from the baddies and now it's time for your favorite segment books and daddy this is the part of the show where crossland our producer with minimal preparation will assign us a literary friend group trope not the trope that we want but the trope that we deserve (laughs) yeah like we can't all be the main character so who are we i i literally have no sense of personal identity tell me who i am daddy if you get it wrong i will be horribly offended and hold it against you forever here's a few examples that you can choose from if you'd like comedic relief former enemy Love interest, smarty pants, McSmarty, not like other girls, scary monster from another dimension, and intellectual. Okay, Cross, why don't you start with Addie? You're going to assign her a trope and then explain your reasoning. Um, But if it helps, you can reference a character or a book series in your explanation. Ready, go. Ooh. Oh, okay. All right. Um, So... For me, if I'm thinking about Addie, Addie reminds me of like the Golden Retriever reversion of Edmund Pensieve from uh, the Edmund Pensieve's kind of a Golden Retriever to begin with, but from Narnia, the Chronicles Aww. of Narnia. Oh, okay, I can kind of see I it. Like that you know, like brave, smart, kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the one that like kept eating the candy and that like yes. made bad things happen because he wouldn't stop eating the little what? Are, they weren't truffles; they were something super dumb. Oh, yeah, the delights. Turkish delights, yeah, which yeah. I tried once, yeah. and it was terrible. I was led to believe that that would be super delicious, and it is not. It's disgusting. Fucking World War II kids with their rations, not knowing what good shit is. <laughs> Ignorance. No, no taste. <laughs> no taste. God. I feel like I need to know about Mary now, though. Okay, so Mary gives me, like, sweet but will kick your ass vibes. <laughs> kind of like Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls is the way that I would encapsulate it in any fictional character. Um, no. Or, like, Sunny Bottle-Air as an adult. You know what I mean? Like, going to bite you. The um, baby but will be who bites me. Yeah. <laughs> she does like to oh, chew. No. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of an oral fixation. We get it. Oh. <laughs> Called out. It's not <laughs> spicy. <laughs> Well, I feel like I thought I was going to be your favorite, but now I'm thinking that Lindsay is. So what's Lindsay's friendship trope? Uh, For Lindsay, I get like big, proficient hunter energy, right? Mm. So think like verbal jousting, but also traps. So like Gail from The Hunger Games mixed with like Kim Wexler from um, Not Breaking Bad, Better Call (laughs) Saul. Better Call Saul. Uh, Or Victra, like somewhere in there. Proficient hunter. Oh my God. You can provide for this family. (laughs) Like Victra. Victra is pretty close. I'm blushing. I, I thought about that a little bit more. I'm like, Victra kind of lands. I'm blushing. This is like the best compliment so anyone's ever given cross. me. Oh my God. I love Kim. Kim's such a badass. He has a way with the ladies. True. True. <laughs> True. Okay, so we've got a, a golden retriever from Narnia, a Powerpuff girl who will bite you, and a proficient hunter. I feel like, is that like a weird kid starter pack type of book? Lindsay, can you prove that? It is. It's a weird kid starter pack book that I would super fuck with. And because they're not here and what they don't know won't hurt them, I think Crossland should type Kelsey and Tiff. Yes. Yay. It'll be our secret. All right. All right. So this is such this is such a weird poll. But for Tiff, I get the wolf from Call of the Wild. Oh, what is so the character's specific. name? But like really like 
but like that really sort of like friendly will support you until they die will chase you through the wilderness to try to like save you and guide you on the right path it's very tiff yeah she's so wise that is very tiff that's so cute and then for Kelsey Kelsey's like a nice riot girl so I'm trying to think of a, a book character she's not like other that. girls nice riot no I like girl. that no I think that's but like not, not like not like right yeah okay sure I like nice that. riot sure, sure, girl sure. I can think of a few books that have those that's awesome. If you guys would finally read Red Queen, you'd know who I was talking about. She literally, okay. No, I won't get into it. Some like other female Severo, kind of. <laughs> yeah, big female Severo energy. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Books and Daddy. I think we've all reached our cross quota for the evening. Back to our regularly scheduled program of talking mad shit. But we all know the baddies are the best golden group, the golden girls, whatever you want to call us. But if you had to assign a literary friend group the blue ribbon and be like these are the golden group these are my main characters these are my bitches who would it be and what group would it not be Ooh, this is hard but i feel like for me the golden group will forever go to the golden trio themselves harry ron and hermione from harry potter no surprise for me here but i think forever this is the group that really got me started in the literary friends journey and what really pulled me into reading in the first place i think my least favorite and hot take from earlier zodiac academy people talk about this series like it has harry potter and found family vibes but i don't think that i could ever be bullied by someone and give them death threats and then consider them part of my perfect blue ribbon friend group just giving me weird vibes i think Fair that's enough. called boundaries and i'm proud of you for that <laughs> Well, thank you. My therapist and I have been working on it. Way to go, Alice. My favorite <laughs> friend group is... <laughs> my favorite friend group is the Inner Circle from A Court of Thorns and Roses because I'm just absolutely basic like that. Their friendship is the textual equivalent to a warm up. And my least favorite friend group would be In Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not a friend group per se, but just a goddamn travesty of a friendship between whatever the main bitch's name is and Princess Diana. No, she's not actually Princess Diana. Read it to find out, or honestly, please don't. Don't read it to don't find out. Just it. Google it. <laughs> Google is your friend. Don't read it. So there's only two people, and I'll get the whole fellowship in just a second. But Frodo and Sam from Lord of the Rings, you know, would you go with your friend on the world's worst fucking hiking trip across the country, knowing that these like undead husks of dudes and big orcs and these giant spiders and etc. are like stalking you and then carry that friend after he's being a little bitch, by the way, <laughs> up a mountain. Using yeah. your body, using your shoulders so you can get rid of his, like, first accessory? I don't know, man. <laughs> That's friendship to me. It's also crazy that all these other people in the fellowship, in the in the group, you know, Legolas, Aragorn, et cetera, et cetera, also go on this trip. They don't even know him. And if you're going to go by the movie version, Frodo never knows Legolas because he says, like, six words to him in the whole thing. So I don't know if that's true friendship, if they have some sort of, like, telepathic connection or if that's the worst friendship because Legolas just, like, dedicated a bunch of his life to helping Frodo and Frodo's like, cool, man, I'm not even going to acknowledge you in the last scene of this movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so best and worst. Yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah. Best and worst of all worlds. My brain is swirling right now thinking about yeah. it. I love calling the ring a cursed accessory. It's like a Truly. really bad trip to Claire's. I was about to say that. Yes. Claire's gone wrong. <laughs> Thanks, of course, to our podcast, Batty Daddy Cross of Words and Whiskey, for helping keep us on track and sounding as pretty as we look. Also, check out all our links in the show notes. You can find our schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, and all the important little socials all in one convenient spot. But remember, hotties can read whatever they want. So, chase your bliss, baby baddies. Is afraid to somebody ever got to say so when I'm in